and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Game Rifles. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, coming to you from Quarantine Central, as always. Um, and as always, I'm here together with my co-host and PlayStation aficionado, Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh... I'm yeah, I'm good. I mean, still rocking the self quarantine, so you know. But you know, after what two months now, uh, I'm ready to see the rest of the world again. <laughs> like seeing the same you place have over and over. for two months. You could like take a walk or something. You know, get some. I take air. a walk, but like it's still the same area. So it's like okay, it's like it's like it's a lot greener now. The weather is a lot better now. Thank goodness, because. It was not fun walking and then suddenly raining and that was not cool. In uh, in our case, it's at least okay. I know that in uh, in Ireland, for example, you're only allowed to go go outside within a two kilometer radius of your house. Like, how the hell am I supposed to know that? I was talking to to some guys about this the other day, and they said, "Oh, you know, you could just tie a rope around your waist and then." As long as, as soon as you feel some tension on it, it's like, ah, I hit the two kilometers. It's like, yeah, you know what would be nice? If everybody did that and everybody walked over each other's ropes and then eventually you would get this knot and nobody would be able to go home anymore. Oh, no. No, please, no. Yep. Oh, that's stupid. I know. <laughs> it's silly. But, you know, we've come to this to this situation and I understand partially that people are going insane because they've been inside for two months. And I understand that I think that the, the, the underlying problem is, is people are stuck with their kids inside for two months, which they normally exactly. never do. Or they're stuck with their wives or girlfriends, which they normally never do. Because it's like you work, you go home, you see them for a couple of hours and then you hit the bed and you go out. And otherwise it's two days a week. But now it's like seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day. You're stuck with your wife, your girlfriend or your kids. Happy days. And now I can't imagine people are really anxious to go outside and like, oh, I can't wait to go back to work or or to do other stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I do miss the company of people, but you know, if you if you do certain stuff like, um, we had like like how uh, negative organized that um, Brawlhalla event. That was really fun because like it was a bunch of us just coming together online, even though we don't see each other. We're talking to each other on Discord. We're smack talking. We're strategizing. You know, there's still that element of connection there. And that was a lot of fun. So, and we are gonna do that again. Which, by the way, um, a negative extended an invitation to you if you're interested in participating in the next one. Uh, if I want to participate in that uh, tournament, and, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm not really good in fighting games. Yeah, that's fine. I can train you. Yeah, but it's also not like more. It's not really my genre. So it's also that because I, like I can try to play it, but it's not like. It's the same like JRPGs. I don't play those games because it's not my game. So like, I'm I'm honored and I'm thankful for him extending the invite. I might want to watch. I don't know if you can stream it, but um, I think that is possible. Um, I'd have to ask him how how that works because um, we did we did kind of sort of did that last time. Okay. So yeah, I mean, other than that, you know. Trying to talk to people, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And this, of course. 
But um, yeah, it, I, I I do miss it, but I'm not going stir crazy. I just want I just want a different location from. I can imagine. That's all. Uh, oh well. Yeah. I mean, like the government here is uh, is uh, loosening some of the restrictions, so hopefully, a lot of things are starting to turn back to normal. Mm, yeah. I I have like I have my doubts on that, not because of the government, but because of people in general. But we'll see. Um, looks like it. It looks like we were able to what they call flatten the curve here. So, um. Yeah, let's see how long that holds up when uh, when those restrictions are loosened. Yeah. Anywho, um, speaking of loosening restrictions, which is a very bad seg- segue oh to the news. <laughs> oh, um, it has been like for really big news, it's been slow. It's been a lot of small, small stuff here and there, um, like games that suddenly get released um like for example the mafia trilogy just shadow dropped this week just out of nowhere i mean there were rumors that it was coming but there was no build-up to it they just released a um they just released a trailer this past tuesday when you're hearing this um and it was like okay right away bam it's live. You can buy either each game individually, or you can buy the whole trilogy, I think, at retail. But the retail version isn't out yet from as far as I know. So either buy the games individually or buy a trilogy when that's available. And I think it's on PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4 for now um it was rumored to be coming to switch there were some retail listings back in april but i don't know if that version was delayed or if that's not true at all who knows retail listings can be a bit weird so yeah because they said that um mafia 2 is out right now and mafia 1 is going to come out and mafia 3 is also out right now but i don't know what they i think mafia 3 is kind of like that uh Game of the Year edition, which they put all those DLCs in, but like Mafia Two is remastered, and I think that they yeah, remade true. Mafia One. Yeah, which probably is why that one is taking a bit longer. So they're taking a um, Yakuza collection approach to where um, Yakuza Three, Four, and Five, you can buy them in a bundle now. But when it's when when you bought the bundle initially, it only came with Yakuza Three. And then later, when Yakuza 4 came out, you could download that as well. And when Yakuza 5 came out, you could download that as well. Or you could wait for it all to come out and buy the retail version that has all the discs of all the games. So I think that's kind of the approach that they're taking to this. Um, And if they're just like building, well, obviously they'd have to because the models for Mafia 1 are kind of, you know, low poly. (laughs) Really old. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah they need to that needs to be done i mean it's the same thing that they also did are doing for tony hawk pro skater one and two which is coming out actually very soon i think in june or something and that was actually a surprise because that was announced during the summer games fest you know the the the, the jeff Keeley summer showcase <laughs> as some people like to call it um 
and that looks cool. I mean, I played like I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 to death on the PlayStation. It's one of my favorite games on the PlayStation. And it's kind of disappointing. The, the only thing that I'm kind of disappointed at is because back then Activision had the um, Spider-Man license. So one of the hidden characters for that was Spider-Man. And you could do tricks with him. You know, you could whip his, you could, you know, like whip his, what do you call them? <laughs> his webby. Um, but I, I'm assuming that's not in the, in the, in the, in the remake. Um they might do it for the PlayStation version. I don't know. I don't think so, unless they can strike a deal with Sony. Other than that, uh, I mean, it's cool that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you? Did you play that back in the day? Which one? Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, or 1 or 2? Like, I tried it, but it's not really my game. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really into that, those kind of games. Yeah. I mean, this is way more arcadey than, say, for example, Skate. Um, skate is really about that, that more of the sim kind of aspect of skateboarding, whereas Tony Hawk is, like, really arcadey and, like, you know, racking up multipliers and scores and stuff like that and okay. objective-based um, stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be cool to see. Um, kind of weird it's not coming to Switch, but... I think their focus, at least for now, is to get a 4K version out because the trailer was all like, in stunning 4K, you know, if you have like uh, an Xbox, if you have an Xbox One X or a PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, they built it from the ground up, but it is based off the original engine from from um, Neversoft. So it should play ex- close to exactly the same as the original games, which is which is good because those were solid games. Um, more shadow dropping um, or more like not shadow dropping, more, more shadow announcements. Uh, Nintendo also announced a new Paper Mario game, which looks, looks really cool, called uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King, um, where this origami king, obviously, takes over the Mushroom Kingdom and turns Peach into an origami of herself who is really creepy and really cryptic. Like, if, if you've seen the trailer, it's like, oh, wow, that's... Like, that is some really unsettling stuff that goes on in there. Bowser's all folded up into, like, a square <laughs> and following Mario. <laughs> he oh, can't my do God. Anything. Oh, man. It looks really cool. Um, the battle system, we haven't seen a lot of it. Looks also really interesting. You're on this circular. Um, uh, you're in this circular arena, and you have three, I think three or four levels of um, rings in them that you can turn to get the enemies to line up, and then attack in a row. Um, so that looks interesting. Uh, that's that's coming out the same day as our next article. Goes to Tsushima. Well, no, nobody cares about Paper Mario. Hey, watch it. What? There are people that care about Paper Mario. Nobody cares about Paper Mario if you yes, go do. out and play like a ninja or a samurai in an open world feudal Japan. Nobody gives an F about some Paper Mario. Oh, yeah. Like, I apologize to the Paper Mario fans listening to this because he does not know what he says. 
Ah, get out of here, man. <laughs> Paper Mario, Paper Mario. Uh, anyways, Sony held a state of play in which yes. it was all focused around Ghost of Tsushima, which is really cool because people Their single uh, best state of play so far. I think it was the best one so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had like a real focus. But I also like the style in which they did it, you know? So, as people know, Ghost of Tsushima is a game set in feudal Japan. The Mongolians invade the island of Tsushima, and you are a samurai, but something happens which causes you to turn into what in the game they call a ghost. Uh, it's basically a ninja. Uh, but you can switch between the playstyles. So there is a ghost playstyle, which is like this stealthy Assassin's Creed kind of like style. And there is this samurai style, um, which is a bit more aggressive, far more focused on attacks. The the ghost, for example, has smoke bombs and, and uh, shurikens and stuff like that. But it's also cool to see that in combat, your char- character has different fighting stances and i think they used elements like water and fire and stuff like that so you can on the fly switch between those fighting stances and then you can be more like a heavy attacker or a slow attacker or a quick attacker and stuff like that Um, like playing as a samurai is all about honorable combat so no backstabbing no um no underhanded tricks to get to them stuff like that and yeah, it looks really, really cool. Uh, it's all about playing as a samurai is all about timing. Um, playing as a ghost is all about causing as much chaos as possible while not being seen. So, yeah, and so it's cool to see that they have like a, a map, but there's no clear directions or guidance on where you need to go. So there's this mechanic called Guide by the Wind, I believe. And then guiding wind, guiding wind, yeah. And then you can just see the flow of the wind or the flow of air guiding you in uh, in the direction of your objective, which is a pretty cool mechanic. Instead of just saying like, "Here it is, go do this," and there are also small tidbits in the world that will maybe take you off the main path and cause you to discover new stuff. So, for example, uh, in the game, in the the, this demo, they showed a fox or a bird guiding you or leading you to something, and then you suddenly find a a hidden objective or a side mission or a collectible, or suddenly the bird guided you to a guy who was sitting uh, next to a campfire, and he said, oh, yeah, there's this uh, stuff happening in the forest, and oh, my God, and then you you could head in there, and then you found, like, a temple you could pray at. So it looks like that the world is jam-packed with stuff to do. And my and may I say that like it looks so pretty. The game is so pretty. I was I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is running off of a PS4 Pro. And it looks amazing. Well, it has been six years since first light, so but even that looked amazing when it came out. But like this I I would almost say I mean, this is an early the, the PS5. Only bringing it up like that is because if you've been working on the game for six years, if it's not looking good, then I don't know what you were focusing on unless it was like some next level AI stuff that you were working on. Yeah, but like you could, this, I would almost say, I think if if nobody knew about Ghost of Tsushima and you would show it to them and say, this is like a, an early PS5 game. So like in the first uh, PS5 launch game, I think people would believe it. They would buy it. I mean, for example, Last of Us 2, which we'll get in a bit, mm. is also looking amazing. But you can see from Last of Us 2, you can see like, yeah, this is just Uncharted, but prettier. 
Mm. Uh, uh, that that difference isn't as big as with Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, true, true. It's also it's also a completely different setting in a new IP. Yeah. Um, so they have that they have that luxury of approaching it differently, of course. Yeah, definitely. And um, you have a horse you can ride on. You can just call someone a horse. Um, you can change your outfit, so you can either play as the the samurai with full armor, or you can play as the ghost. I don't know if wearing the armor will have effect on, for example, your yeah. it, stuff like that. It, it does have different effects that they said. Okay. Um, different armor sets have different effects, but also you have to craft the armor with stuff that you see in the, the stuff that you find in the environment. So, like picking up flowers with a specific like pigment will allow you to make it in that specific color yeah. stuff like that so you can like really customize uh how Jin looks which is the character's name yeah it, i mean like it's it's uh, uh let me grab metal gear solid 5 for example as a, an example that game was complete so like not from a story point of view but from a mechanical point of view everything made sense so you would think you would think of something you would say like hey this would be a logical thing to have, but maybe it's not in the game, and it would be there. And it it feels the same with Ghost of Tsushima. So like, okay, it would be logical to be able to do this. And from what we saw, I would say, hey, it's there, you know? So it really feels like this complete experience. Um, so I'm really looking forward to when the game comes out. I might even take a few days off just to immerse myself into the whole... I, like, I love the Fatal Japan setting. So... Mm-hmm. For me, it's like an extra, uh... an extra thing. Yeah, an extra thing. So, uh... yeah. I mean, I I'm also I'm also looking forward to it, but I'm also torn now because I'm like, finally, a new paper iron is like, well, crap. Now it's coming out the same day as Ghost of Tsushima. I'm gonna have to make some choices there. Um, Maybe make the not obvious choice and go for Ghost of Tsushima instead of Paper Mario, because that's the obvious choice to make. We'll see. We'll see. I'm well, not, I'm not saying anything well, right now. Well, then it's now, super easy. Then we already know what you're going to do. Then you're going to buy the damn Paper Mario. No, because, because here's the thing. This is the first time since, what, E3 2018, I want to say? It's only two That years. we saw more of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's, I think they said they were going to show more. They showed the Ghost of Tsushima last year at E3. Oh, they did? Yeah. It was announced at Paris Game Show in, I think, 2018. And it, it got its gameplay trailer last year at E3. Or was Sony... Wait, but they didn't do anything last year. So oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, you're, you're no, right. You're thinking right. of 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Sony did the yeah. weird E3 with the guy playing the flute. That was a weird... Yeah, that was, that was 2018. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, time has passed so fast. Oh, my God. Yeah, 2019, they were like, we have nothing to show. Yeah, oh, yeah. first year Sony didn't uh, participate. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, so, uh, that was the only thing Sony showed in the state of play. They mentioned that beforehand. They said, we're not going to do PS5 stuff. We'll do that later. Um, mm-hmm. The same week, Sony started a new series on the PlayStation blog called The Last of Us Part Two Inside. So every Wednesday, I believe, they will release a, a video regarding a certain topic uh, around uh, The Last of Us. So the first one was... Uh, the story the second one came out today which is around gameplay so they discuss kind of like the, the differences and what they've added to this game so for example you can lie down and prone right now and in the in last of us 2 you can do that in the first one and that's also because ellie is a little bit more nimble and she can climb she can also jump and climb onto stuff 
Um, so their their main idea was how can we make her feel powerful, um, but not overpowered because she's this smaller, more nimble person compared to Joel, for example, because Joel's this big guy, and when he throws a punch, it it hit it hits hard. So that's kind of like the idea around it, and it's really cool to see that you can, for example, hide in tall grass and you can crouch and move but you can also do everything while lying on the ground so it's not like you cannot shoot or anything you can just in the in the gameplay demo they show for example her grabbing her bow and shooting somebody and then throwing a, an empty bottle to distract some people and then throwing a molotov so you are a bit more nimble as well when you're in prone instead of just you can instead of just being like oh i can lie down like kind of metal gear solid one <laughs> mm. You can also cr crawl under more objects, so you can hide under cars and stuff like that. So, I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, speaking of new stuff that is happening, um, Unreal Engine Five got announced. Yep, and it looked amazing. It looked amazing. It was running on a PlayStation Five. Yep. Um, dev kit. So take take from that what you will. Um. A couple of things that they that they talked about, specifically the new stuff in the engine, um, which is the luminous engine, which is the global lighting, the global illumination system that's in there, which is really rad because they showed it off by turning it off. And it's like the spotlight of light and nothing else was lit. And then they turn it on. And it's like everything is suddenly um, lit up because of the ref the the reflect the reflecting light off of you know, the actual services and stuff like that. They also talked about the new rendering, um, the new rendering API called, I think, um, what is it called again? Nano something. Oh my goodness, I had it written down here. Um, Nanite? Nanite. So... So, oh, it's still um, on mute. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so confusing. It's, it's called Nanite. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Nanite. So Nanite, um, which basically allows them to import um, uh, Hollywood levels of, you know, assets in the game and have it render as is, which looks really cool. It wasn't using ray tracing. Yeah, but the funny thing about that part is that... This was all just their engine. Yeah, it's running at... Uh... They said that a lot of stuff was the textures and stuff like that was 8K. Yeah. So that's kind well, of... Eight, well, here's the thing. when like Here's the, the For people that don't understand the technical aspect of stuff, like, for example, games right now, even if they're like HD, the textures might be 4K um, just to have that extra fidelity in there because when you put that kind of level of fidelity onto a lower texture... Um, mesh what happens is it looks really pretty even though the model is not as complex so them saying they're using 8k um uh dang it what's the word we just talked yeah thank you textures just means that the textures are very high fidelity with with a high quality the plus side is they don't have to render down because everything in the game is still using the high poly counts, which what they showed was a big statue that was made in ZBrush. And if anybody knows the program ZBrush, it's one of the most... Actually, sorry, let me rephrase it. ZBrush artists 
are people that really love to put a lot of details into their models just because they can. The only problem is now, if they want to have that level of um, detail, they have to turn it into a normal map, apply that to a lower resolution model so that it looks like it's very high high quality, but it's really not. Yeah. But now they don't have to do that anymore with Unreal Engine 5, and they can do that multiple times and not have the system bogged down. At least um, when it comes to the next generation systems, they won't, there won't be a bottleneck on how that works, which is really cool for next generation. Um, they also showed off their new particle effect um, engine, which is actually smart. It's driven by AI. So, for example, if you make a particle effect and you call them bats, for example, that the, the, that's the example that they showed, the particle effect will react like bats do and will stay out of each other's way so they don't, you know, clip into each other and stuff like that. Um, bugs on the floor will re- react to, like, uh, light in a realistic way where they part away or when you step around them, stuff like that, they'll react in a realistic way, even though it's driven by a particle effects engine. Yeah. Which is really cool. Mm. It could, it could end up being a really cool gameplay mechanic. If you know, handled right, especially the global, like the global illumination engine in this one makes me go like, okay, if you're going to make, if you're going to use unreal engine five for, the next Tomb Raider, you're gonna have a lot of cool mirror, um, a, a lot of cool mirror puzzles that you can do with that, because you can now actually like focus a beam of light, for example. I'm not sure if that's possible. I hope it's possible, but you can focus like a beam of light bouncing from actual mirrors, and they react realistically. Yeah, instead yeah, they, of you know they, just manipulating stuff. They also said that they, besides all the visual stuff. They focused on a lot of sound stuff. So now there's also more improvements around uh, sound and audio in the game. And they really showed it well that there's this part in which the the character has to squeeze through a narrow uh, opening. And they said that's not to load anything. That's not to load. The they had to correct that because they didn't say that in the yeah. actual thing. And people, yeah, people there. thought it was like, oh, it's got to load the back. And they said, no, no, it's not to load stuff. It's just to show you how detailed the the environment is because uh, you would see these tiny bits of rock also fall off of the, the the bigger rocks, and you would also hear a clear difference in all those little pieces dropping. So, like from an audio point of view, it's also spot on. I was I tried to kind of pay attention to that. And I thought, hey, this is really, really nice. Um, so because I think audio will be a, a huge focus in the next gen because it's always one of those things that we haven't been able to do a lot, a lot around. So and Sony's also taking the, the, the spear with that kind of saying like, hey, we have the Tempest engine. So I think like a lot of stuff will also be in around audio. A lot of people are saying, like, okay, in this generation, we might not see a big leap in visual fidelity, as in from like the graphics become prettier, but we'll see a lot more stuff around the game, like audio or more stuff happening in the game instead of it just looking photorealistic, which is actually a nice approach because I'd rather have a lot of stuff happening in the game, which wasn't possible earlier, than that it just looks photorealistic, but it's kind of bland. Kind of like um, The Order 1886, which looked like an amazing game. 
but that was the only thing. It was like <laughs> it was like this really expensive tech demo. I played it, I liked it, but it, it yeah, I mean, it it had a lot of missed potential. The thing, the thing that I'm honestly still hoping that will happen um, in game development is because we've reached a point where fidelity is that high with visuals. I really hope that we finally get to a point where they can focus on um, focus on AI, like focus on enemy behaving more realistically than ever before, because there's still games that you play and they still stick to like a path and it kind of breaks the immersion. Um, so I kind of hope that that is something that I also strive for going forward. But the future is looking bright. This is still an alpha version, by the way. The The Unreal Engine is, is going to debut in 2021. The first game that's probably going to be using it is Fortnite because they said that um, once the last version uh, of uh, Unreal Engine 4 is out, which is 4.5 point... 4, 4. Now, they're saying 4.25 is already supporting yeah. next-gen, so uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X, uh, yeah. because they have worked closely with the, both parties to make sure that all the games that, that su can support it um, Unreal Engine 5 will be available in preview in early 2021 and in full release late in 2021, supporting next-generation consoles, current-gen consoles, PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. Um, they've also allowed their, they call it the Epic Online Services, which is basically a multi-platform SDK for free that allows friends... Developers. Yeah, that allows friends, matchmaking, lobbies, achievement, leaderboards, and accounts, that all the stuff they built for Fortnite is now available to implement in your own game. I think it also incorporates cross-play in this case. Yeah. Um, and it's basically on all the platforms that I just mentioned, plus the Switch. Let's not forget about the Switch. Yeah, that's all the platforms. Why are you making it seem like it's something separate? Because I didn't mention the Switch when I said that Unreal Engine 5 is coming to certain platforms. Well, you said it's coming to all the platforms. Yeah, but like, you know, sometimes the Switch is kind of it's, like it's fine. Out it's fine. You know, yeah. they want to uh -huh. be included in everything. And like, hey, I'm uh -huh. still here. I'm still here. Don't forget about me. Yeah. I'm used I mean, to it, but I'm okay. Like, like Epic's, Epic's modus operandi when it comes to the game engine since Unreal Engine 4 has been that they want their engine to run on everything. Yep. So it makes sense that the Switch would still be supported in this case yep um, i mean it wouldn't be as fidelity it wouldn't be as full fidelity but i'm assuming you know pro stuff like the the sound and the um the the the, the particle effects thing being an improvement on you know what you could do with unreal engine 4 on switch so yeah but like if you look at how unreal engine looks on a mobile device that looks amazing as it is already i mean the, it, it was called infinity blade i believe it was the first game running unreal engine on an, uh, on an ios device in this case mm -hmm. and that looked amazing so if you look at and fortnite for example also looks amazing on mobile devices so it shouldn't the hardware shouldn't necessarily be like a big limiting factor if you can see nah. what they can squeeze out of it already. Nah, not really. I mean, not in these days. No. Um, but um, the thing is right now that, that, that Unreal Engine 5 won't be out until maybe middle or 
end of 2021. So don't expect to see any Unreal Engine 5 games in 2021. Expect At least outside of Fortnite, expect to see them coming out 2022 onwards. Yeah. If if even that, I mean, at the at the earliest, maybe late twenty twenty one, at um, the latest, like early to mid twenty twenty three. Here on the website, it says that Fortnite will migrate to, to your Unreal Engine five in mid twenty one twenty one one. Ooh, yeah. So that's and that's because they are working on it on tandem because they're using Fortnite as a base. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I'm hearing stuff from your background. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people in the house, so sometimes, you know, those sounds pop in once in a while. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, overhauling engines, Anthem. Yeah. We haven't talked about uh, poor old Anthem in quite a while. They, yeah. they had an update recently, didn't they? They gave an update on the website around what is happening. So they confirmed a while back that the overhaul is happening. Um but they said that they're working on the game with a 30-ish people crew, which is, it sounds like a skeleton crew. Um, and they're, it's going to take a while for the overhaul to be completely done. So they will also, they're in like early phases. They're so prototyping a lot of stuff. They mm. intend to involve the community eventually uh, so that they can also see. The, so, they, so the idea is, is that they want to be completely transparent and open. And they want to do that in multiple ways with live streams and blog posts and stuff like that. So they said like, hey, there's a possibility that you might see things and systems that eventually will not end up in the game because we thought it didn't work or we were based on feedback. We figured out it's not going to work. I think it's kind of their path of redemption, unlike what Ubisoft does when they go on this, because they've done it a lot of times with Rainbow <laughs> Six and The Division uh, they create these task forces and then they involve people in those task forces. They come over and then they give feedback on the game. I think in the current situation, it's a bit more difficult to do that. Um, yeah, but based on that, I think it's going to take like at least a year or maybe two before we see something. And then by that time, they'll probably call it Anthem 2.0 or Anthem 2 or whatever. Um, so is it, if they're starting with, a, if, if, if it's a 30-man group, it feels more like a starting... Well, no, it feels like they're starting from the ground up again. So basically, they're going into like pre-production and prototyping, um, because that's what you would do. Like th this is actually bigger than like what you would do with a prototyping team. It's mostly a prototyping team is like five, seven people, depending how big your studio is and how many people you can actually afford to like work on stuff like that. So okay, I mean, they have a long road ahead of them, and I don't think. I think they're hedging their bets on either making a sequel to Anthem or rebooting the whole thing on next gen. I think they're going to do a... I think they might pull a Final Fantasy fourteen. I hope they do. Um, but at the same time, I'm worried that if they do pull a Final Fantasy fourteen, what does that do for people that have been playing up until this point? Uh, yeah. I think they'll try to carry over the progress. I hope so. I hope so because Final Fantasy fourteen did not do that. That that was a scorched earth approach that they did. Yeah. Like literally like the event destroyed the whole world and brought it back together. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll just have but to it's been, but it's been successful ever since. So Yeah. 
for the people that don't know, Final Fantasy fourteen had kind of like a reboot. And while they were working on the reboot, they also supported the old game with content. And so there was this cataclysmic event which basically stopped the, the old game, to put it that way, and kicked in the reboot uh, so people would start in the new game directly and then it will all just be working and sh as it should have been. Um, there's an interesting series on YouTube from Noclip that go into depth in this. It's pretty cool to see. They also interview the developers and stuff like that. So I would recommend people, if they want to know more about it, to check that out. Uh, I didn't know, so I watched it. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool how they pulled it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, really, I mean, uh, because it's a Japanese company, of course, they had to apologize. Like, they had a press conference where they apologized for the, the, the crappy launch and the crappy game and that they were going to work on it. So we haven't seen that from from uh, from EA yet. So who knows? I don't think we'll ever see something like that. They're, not, they're too American. Um, yeah, they're too American. You know what's funny? I'm surprised that... I would expect EA to be one of the companies to jump on the remaster bandwagon, uh, like the first in in line. But EA hasn't done that at all. And no, because they're probably yeah. no, because they're doing that thing where they're just gonna release enhanced versions so that you can upgrade it to it once, like they're doing for Madden. Apparently, they they said that that's what they're going to be doing for most games that are coming out. This no, year. what I mean is like they grab their old games and they remaster ah. and they release it. So, like I would have expected them to be the first company to jump in line and to do this, but they they haven't done it until recently. They announced in their investors call that they're going to start looking at it because they're hinting that they might remaster the whole Mass Effect trilogy, um, which would be cool. But like I when I heard it, I'm like. It's so strange that this doesn't this hasn't happened like two or three years before because if there's one person or one company that you would call a cash grabber besides Activision, it's EA. True, true. Um, I think it's also an investors called that they were saying, yeah, we're actually gonna bring stuff to Switch now, three years later. Um, which started so of course with with with, with um which started with oh actually I heard something recently which probably shedding light on why it's happening um uh because you know burnout paradise is coming to switch mm -hmm. and um 50 bucks still like what the frick um um there there's rumors that the massive trilogy that you were talking about is also coming uh to switch which would be nice since they kind of kind of gave nintendo the bird and only released mass effect 3 on wii u when like literally a week later the trilogy came out on playstation 4 or <laughs> playstation 3 yeah um but the interesting thing that i learned this week is that doug bowser the current president of nintendo of america used to work for ea so he might be leveraging his connections i think he might be leveraging his connections to to rebuild bridges because they burned bridges during the wii u era because apparently ea wanted to be the ones that that does the infrastructure for Nintendo's online system through, you know, um, Origin. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo was having none of that because, of course, they were were not. Because, seriously, it's like walking up to uh, to Microsoft and saying, yeah, let's do let's replace um, Xbox Live with Origin. 
Like, you think that, like, you mean, think that Microsoft would be okay with that? Yeah, but like, my, uh, X, uh, Xbox Live is like a superior product. I mean, Sony, for example, is using uh, Microsoft Azure to run PlayStation Now. And in the investors call they recently had, they said that Microsoft has been a tremendous partner and that, that it's going to be an amazing uh, add-on for the PlayStation Now experience for customers. Yeah, but that's mostly because, ad, like, Microsoft treats each of their branches as its own company. So Xbox is its own thing. And the Azure team is its own thing. So they do their own businesses and, you know, they keep that kind of animosity separate from one another, which I think is why it works. But yeah, let's be honest. Um, I mean, Nintendo Switch Online, or I don't know if it was for the Switch or for the Wii U, but it, it, it wasn't that amazing. It wasn't, nobody talked about it. It didn't have any numbers. So it like, if in well, EA offers it, I would say, hey, maybe we can lean on your expertise and, and do it in the right way instead of saying, well, we're going to do it in our own way. Well, I'm not going to say that it was great. I'm not going to say it's great now. Um, but I will say this. Miiverse was one of the most like fun, I guess what you call it, could call it now because it died with the Wii U, the most fun experiment in social um, in social gathering of gamers that they've ever done, and I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't move over to the to the Switch because it was a really cool way of integrating um, like social stuff with gameplay. It was basically a system wide version of what Dark Souls does with the messaging in game that you can leave messages mm-hmm. in the game world, but you could do it for almost any game that supported Miiverse. So you had mario that was using it where people were just saying like oh this level is easy and then you go into this level it's like really hard or if you were playing mario uh mario maker levels people will leave in like oh this game is like this level is like a real troll level or watch out for this and then it's like a, it misleads you or like oh here's a special item it's like oh, okay and then you get um like an item that kills you or stuff like that and it was really it was a really fun integration i mean the online aspect wasn't that great, but Miiverse was something that I kind of wish more people did. But with that, but with Doug Bowser allegedly, allegedly smoothing things over with EA, we are starting to see EA games appear on Switch. So I don't know how far they're going to take it because the rumors have been that um, uh, Apex Legend is also coming to Switch, which... Okay... Is is that running on Unreal? No, it's running on, uh, I think it's Source. At least it's something that Respawn uses internally. But um, Titanfall was built on Source Engine. Hmm. I have no idea if the Source Engine is compatible for Switch. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. At least I haven't seen anything about it that says that anyways. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. EA uh, doing some uh, interesting stuff. I mean, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Um, and the last thing that, uh, I want to bring up before we move on to what we've been playing, to the second segment, is that um, uh, there was a report on VentureBeat uh, stating that we shouldn't be expecting any Nintendo Directs in June and possibly beyond. Um, at least for the foreseeable future, because of uh, how the whole pandemic has been 
disrupting people because people working from home and developers working from home, uh, not just Nintendo developers, but also, you know, third parties. Um, it's making it a lot more difficult to plan like an event so that they can have, you know, trailers ready or the game ready. So it's kind of hard to plan stuff like shadow dropping games and announcing games. You're not sure if they're going to come out this year. Some games might be delayed, stuff like that. So don't expect to see any directs anytime soon for the next couple of months. Um, so, but do expect to see like a lot of games being announced for the Switch uh, from Nintendo itself as well. That's why we got that sudden announcement of Paper Mario because normally they pull it all together and put it in a direct. But even now, they're not really doing that. They're not even doing like a direct for a game specifically. So, um, I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see the coming months. But between Summer Game Fest and um gamescom going digital for two weeks we have a lot of game announcements that are coming our way in the next two months so it's gonna be exciting i mean microsoft is gonna have their their big uh first party event for the series x in june or july it's going to do something in july ubisoft is doing something in july uh the rumors of playstation doing something in early june as well so there's a lot to look forward to. It's going to be some hopefully an exciting summer. <laughs> I think, I think it. I think they'll be able to get people excited about the coming year in gaming. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure, but at least for the coming for the coming months, it's it's going to be exciting. Hope so. <laughs> oh man, have more have more faith in the gaming the, the industry, man. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the news. Uh, stick around, and we'll be, back, we'll be back with the second segment and what we've been playing. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to our second segment, What Have You Been Playing? So, Maximilian, what have you been playing in these dire COVID-19 times? Actually, kind of a lot. I mean, oh. I'm still checking in every day for Animal Crossing, um, which is now basically just running the motions um, since I got the five-star ranking. Um, they did introduce a new uh, event, which is the um, stamp rally in the in the in the in the museum, which is which is fun, but it's very easy to go through, so it's not that exciting. What is exciting is that I finished two games. Oh, my God. In the span of 48 hours. Oh, that's never happened before. Yeah. Were, were they mini games? No. The first is The Last of Us, which I already was talking about that I was starting to play it, but I was playing it on and off. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? The game is coming out in like less than a month. And I want to at least finish it. I'm still not sure if I'm going to get The Last of Us Part 2. But at the very least, if it happens, I want to be able to pick it up when it does come out. So I powered through it. I played the game. Finished it. The dang thing crashed on me during the last mission. Oh. So I had to do the last part over again. 
Oh, that pissed me off so much. But I was able to do it. I finished it. And I also beat the 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 DLC Left Behind, which is like not. Uh, I haven't played that one. It's not it's not very long. You can beat it in an afternoon. Okay. Which is what I did. And um mm, how do I say this? The story is very compelling. I am not hundred percent sure I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm sold on the gameplay of The Last of Us. Because even though the story is compelling enough for me to continue to see where the story goes, the um, it's not it doesn't it's not that it plays badly like the controls are solid. Um, it's just that you have to switch between, I think, at least two different kinds of playstyles. You're either, um, I mean, the main thing is of course sneaking around, not getting chomped up by the fungus people um the fungus infected or um getting gunned down by the hunters because you know they're jerks <laughs> and they want to harm you for whatever reason and uh, i don't know the first half was okay it was very the pacing is a bit slow in the beginning but it, i didn't mind that it was slow paced because you could absorb the atmosphere you know, follow the story along. But from the second half onward, it's just really tedious because then you have to do a lot of sneaking around. You have to do a lot of gunning, even though you don't have a lot of ammo and you have to do a lot of running. And if you're not careful, you die. And at a certain point, I didn't care anymore because I just wanted to experience the story. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play this on easy. So I switched it to easy so I could actually finish the game and wow like the story has like a lot of very sad beats man like uh especially the second half which is why it's kind of disappointing because the second half really gets into the relationship between joel and ellie and there are things i mean should i go spoilers or not like what do you think I mean, the second game is about to come out in a month, so who cares, right? I think you can, because the game's been out for so long. I mean, yeah. people have so many opportunities to play it. Um, yeah, uh, screw it. Spoilers. Spoilers for Last of Us, the first game, not Last of Us Part II, obviously. But um, basically what happens is that they come across uh, one of the freedom fighters called Fireflies. Um who has this girl called Ellie and Ellie was bitten by one of those infected uh, people. Uh, the, I think, was it a, a like a runner or a critter or a clicker? You don't know because um, you see her when she's already bitten. Yeah. You don't know because exactly that you find out afterwards, like early on in the game that she was bitten, but she didn't turn. So it's like her arm is like a bit infected, but like, that's it. She hasn't, gone completely fungal and the whole point is to get her to a research facility that's being run by the fireflies in where was it again colorado or something and that's the whole that's basically the whole plot it's get her to the research facility to so that they can uh, find out why she's immune and make a vaccine <laughs> 
Yeah, they want to try to make a cure out of her uh, something. Situation. Yeah, and then eventually it it would mean that she has to die to be able to make the cure because they need to do something with her brain. Yeah, but you don't find out about that until the end of the game. Yeah. Because all the while they're going through all these hardships to get there. Um, one of the, the, the uh, Joel's companion, Tess, gets bitten and you know, goes down in a blaze of glory because the military's after them. Um, Because everything is basically either a military state or you're being hunted down by these groups called hunters who are just renegades who fend for themselves and don't care about anybody else. Um, And at a certain point, Joel gets injured by one of these uh, hunters and he almost dies. Like he gets stuck through with a piece of rhubarb, and Ellie has to save his life. Um, and she essentially does, but not without almost. Um, how do I say this without it getting? She she gets captured by hunters that want to chop her up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain that in a other way. Like they eat people to stay alive. Yeah. So they're cannibals. But oh man, that like that whole sequence is so gut wrenching because it's this little fourteen year old girl who's trying to save what basically has become first her smuggler and now her surrogate dad. And it's she's go she goes through all that in the dead of winter getting food for her and for her and Joel um, and making sure that he makes it. He, she eventually does get um, uh, and, and antibiotics from the, one of the hunters um, who eventually captures her because apparently their reputation precedes them because they have been laying waste to a bunch of hunter groups and they're apparently from the same big hunter group. So they want revenge on Ellie and Joel. Um, and that's where that whole chopping up comes from. But Joel eventually saves Ellie, and it's a, it's like a really powerful moment because she was fending off like the leader of those guys in a in a trapped in a building, and he set fire to the building, so the fire's like encroaching on them and stuff like that. It's like oh man, and Joel has to go find her, and he was like not having it. He was relentless. My my goodness! Like if you see those the, the the scenes, it's like it's like the most relentless thing that you can see. It's like, wow! Like he really cares for this girl all of a sudden because in the beginning he did not care for her at all, even though he found out that she was immune and she might be humanity's last chance. Um, he was still like, yeah, I don't want to deal with this stuff. I just want to bring her to where she needs to be and like go back to to uh, to Boston. I think um, it, I think it's cool to see that their relationship changes over time. And um, he like, in the beginning, really hates her, to put it that way. He just sees her he's as a... closed off to her. And, yeah, he sees yeah. her as a package. He just needs to deliver. And eventually, he just... Um, gradually, as you play the game, their bond strengthens. And then they really turn into this father-daughter moment. And then it kind of echoes into the trailers of The Last of Us 2, where you... Uh, he has like a, a thing he calls her. I don't know if it's baby girl or something like that. Yeah, baby girl. He, baby girl. He calls her that, and you see that in the in the Last of Us two trailers. Uh, 
So it, it's cool to see that change. It's a lot more like an emotional ride, I would put it. And at the time when the game came out, it wasn't really something games did. Uh, that might also explain why uh, the Neil Druckmann cried when he finished the second one. Uh, <laughs> all crunch and relief aside. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's one of the powerful parts of The Last of Us. It just it pulls you along this emotional ride. Yeah, I mean that's why. Like that's why I, again, despite my hiccups against the gameplay, I re like I stuck in there for the story and the way that story ends is, it's not a happy ending. It's also not a bad ending, because Joel finds out that the only way that they can extract what they need to extract is to get it from her brain because that's the first thing the virus tackles. Um, it goes straight to the brain and it nestles in your brain and it starts taking over your motor skills and you basically disappear and you become just a mindless uh, runner or clicker depending on how long you've been affected or if you've been affected for a really long time, you become this disgusting thing called a bloater. <laughs> like, I mean, it's clearly it's clearly modeled after um, Left 4 Dead. Uh, Left 4 Dead's uh, Boomer. But like way more disgusting, except you know, no, it's not puking on you. It's just throwing these stupid spore bombs, which are really annoying, by the way. Um, and Joel is not having any of that because he spent like the game takes place over I think a year and a half from point A to point B, <laughs> and you know, in that time they really bonded he thought probably that they were only going to take her blood or whatever and use that to make a make a vaccine yeah. but they had to get to the brain because that's the part that usually gets infected and her brain was not infected at all because she's immune um well she's she's immune but she is infected yeah that's the whole weird dynamic and that's why they wanted to you know get to her brain which meant that she would die and he was like no no that no she, she she deserves to live and i love her and she's like a daughter to me and he saves her by going all rambo on the whole facility and pretty much killing ev almost everybody yep um and then when they go back to the to the settlement where his brother lives because like i think 3 quarters away you get to the 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 um, uh, to a settlement where his brother brother lives he's married now he has a wife um so they went back there to like live out their lives and ellie asks her for was was there re did they really not need her anymore because she was under the impression and everybody of course that she was the only one that was immune and joel told her no no they found they have other people that are also immune so they don't need you anymore but you know from that last scene, the way she asked it was not that she had doubts, but she wanted to confirm her doubts. Yeah. That she that he just took her away from there, and that's why she's alive. Because she had already accepted her fate. Yeah. Even though she's that young, she'd already accepted her fate that, you know, you know, this this was for the greater good, and he just took me from that. So I'm curious as to see where that relationship goes in part two, because when they start showing stuff about part two, Joel was nowhere to be seen. So a lot of people assumed that Joel was dead 
considering the fact that he was pretty old in the first Last of Us. I mean, he was pretty old in the Last of Us. No, like, he's well, older now. Yeah, but when you because look it at took, it, because because if I'm not mistaken, the Last of Us takes place, I think. 20 30 years after the after the infection broke I, after the pandemic broke loose in that game i don't know i think so because you play but with they, a young joel in the beginning like in yeah. the opening act of the game and then time skips forward uh i think it's like it skips for 20 or 30 years i thought it was 10 no because in 10 years no way that buildings become that decrepit in September 2013, it starts, and then the game takes place in. Yeah, so in September 2013 is when the game starts out, and 20 years later. Yeah, 20. Yeah. Yeah. No way, like no way, cities become that decrepit in like 10 years. I don't know. Maybe yeah. if it's not maintained well. Ah, come on. No, decade, decade is too short. No, Twenty years sounds more accurate. Yeah, but like he was already like in his, I guess I don't know, early thirties, maybe like late twenties when that happened. So he was at least in his late forties, fifties, early fifties um, when he met Ellie. So he's like even older than that now. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It's coming out soon, Last of Us 2, so we'll probably know more. I just yeah. wonder what's going to happen to Joel. Will he be like a character that makes a cameo once in a while? Or will he be like this prominent character that's there? Because I kind of have a feeling I know where the game is going to, but I don't... I and at, one time, at one point, I would understand that it's going that direction. But at the other, time, at the other side, I would say like, yeah, but this is so cliche. Hmm. Did you check out the latest trailer? Because I didn't specifically because I don't want to get like I watched it. It's incidental. I don't. It's not like yeah. it's spoiling a lot or anything. Okay, because you know the 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 last trailer for Final Fantasy VII remake kind of spoiled a lot of stuff. Not later. That's a lot of end game stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So Last of Us. Um, yeah, wow, I have way more to say about that than I thought. Um, That's how good the game is. I mean, it got tens all over the place. Yeah, the story is good. The story is good. I'm still skeptical about the gameplay, but the story the story is compelling enough to, to pull me along. What What's a bummer is that this, the gameplay of The Last of Us influenced the Uncharted 4 in such a way that it sometimes felt a bit too forced. So, for example, in... Uh, Last of Us, you have these traversal moments in which you have to either solve a puzzle to get up somewhere, and then you have like a big crate that you drag on wheels, yeah. and then you jump on it, and then you get to the area where you need to do. They literally copied that mechanic into Uncharted, but they overuse it in Uncharted 4. Oh, no. So it felt so forced at times, like, oh, I'm in a room. Oh, I don't know how to get up. Wait, let me look for the big box on the wheels, because that's probably yeah. the way I'm going to get out of this. And <laughs> lo and behold, a big box with wheels. So it kind of ruined it. That was one of the criticisms of uh, Uncharted 4 that people had. I say like, hey, but this feels so forced. It doesn't feel natural as if it's adding something to the game. It's more like an ends to a means. And they're like, yeah, but that's not the right one. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Uh, and the other day, and the other game that I finished was Detroit Become Human. Yeah, I finished that one a while ago. It's really nice, right? Yeah, it's 
like again with the last of us oh by the way i also finished left behind which is like a very short dlc campaign it basically takes place between the part that i was talking about where joel gets hurt um and it goes more into the backstory of uh ellie so i'm not gonna spoil it for you because you haven't played that i haven't played it yet i don't know if i'm going to it adds it adds more to like ellie's story so you find out how she gets infected and um like at the end of the last of us she talks about her friend riley Mm -hmm. so it's like their relationship um uh like what their relationship was like um and that's basically it. It's, it's not i mean it's cool it's 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 nice it's sweet um there's not a lot of combat except for the last mission which is really freaking annoying because it's basically just it's a horde mode and not a fun one because you're basically because you're ellie and ellie does not have the same capabilities as joel does she's not as strong as joel so she dies really easily and you don't have a lot of ammo for the weapons that you do have. So it's really annoying that they put Ellie in a horde mode situation. Other than that, yeah, I mean, it adds a bit, but I don't think it's necessary to play it. The left Behind, if you want to get the, the just the story aspect, just watch the story parts on YouTube. Anyway, Detroit Become Human. This is the closest I think David Cage has come to making a movie which is saying a lot since all his games are basically him trying to make a movie in a video game. Interactive movies. (laughs) Interactive movies. This is probably the best playing one, which is saying a lot because I still hate the gameplay in this game. (laughs) I hate the fact that I I get why it is like that, and I I understand and I respect his creative um, direction that he takes with his games. But between Beyond Two Souls, which I thought was boring from not only a gameplay standpoint and from a story standpoint, not saying that the story wasn't interesting, there was way too much jumping around in time with that. This is one linear line through a story, which takes place across three different characters, which is really cool. Um, And the fact that every time when you finish a chapter... You know why I didn't play beyond two souls why because the main character that chick i can't remember her name she's a a hollywood actress Mm -hmm. she complained that ellie looked too much like her in the last of us and she i think she even sued sony for it and when that happened oh Oh, dang it what's her name she plays in uh in uh that uh, christopher nolan movie uh yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. i know you mean i know you when when she pulled that shit i was like Yo, this is just a compliment. Take it because it might actually help your career. But no, instead of doing that, you have to sue and complain about it. And I'm like, okay, it's done. I never want to see anything related to you or with you because I can't handle that. Was it Ellen Page? Uh, yeah, it was Ellen Page. Yeah, yeah. I don't like her. And she'll probably <laughs> say the same if she listens to this podcast. Like, I don't like you too. But no, let it be known. I don't like her. No reason to make a big deal out of a, a big compliment you would get, but hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wait, am I sure? Wait, hang on. Let me double check first <laughs> before we're before we're like bad map before you. I, I double checked uh, on the yeah, on it's, Ellen Page. Yeah. yeah, just double checked. Yeah. 
<laughs> but anyways, you do your thing. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Detroit is a very interesting story. It's basic. It's basically. Um, how do I say this? We're not. It's, it's basically a human rights story, but in place of human rights, so like a minorities, it's androids. The yep. androids are the minorities this time because they're made by humans. They have way more ca- capabilities. They're stronger. They're they have you know, they can do a lot of stuff because of their computational powers and they look realistic, of course. And it's basically a yeah, it's it's basically a civil rights movement where androids try to fight for independence, but it's through the lens of three different characters, um, uh, a housekeeper who breaks out of her protocol to save um, her owner's daughter, um, a detective who's trying to figure out why um, androids are becoming what they call deviants, so acting more human than they should, and a caregiver for an old man who breaks out of his protocol um, because he was being uh, pushed around by his owner's son, who was like this drug addict. And it's it's really cool to see that happen for those characters, because you actively have to break the like the wall of uh, their protocol. Because when a human gives an order, they have to obey it um, without you know, without fighting back or anything. And, you know, it took all off and people are like, they took our gerbs and they're harassing androids and stuff and protesting <laughs> androids. And... <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> well, you have, you have, have you never seen the, have you seen, haven't you seen the South Park episode where people from the future, no? Oh man, you have to see it. Basically, people from the future come back to the past because in the future they don't have jobs, and they basically do all the menial tasks that you know um, uh, minorities normally do. And the rednecks are all like, germs! "Oh my god, wow!" <laughs> it's basically that, but with androids instead of people. And it's it's told very it's told very well. Like the cinematography and the cutscenes, you know, the dialogue is probably the best it's been in any David Cage game. Honestly, it looks um, great from a like a visual standpoint. And from it looks performance really good. Standpoint. And I have and I have like a base PlayStation Four, so yeah, it looks really good. Like the 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 the, the performance capture looks so uncanny it's like really creepy you could tell like oh that's that actor that's that actress even the ones that they basically made up to look different are you're like oh wait i know that person oh it's that guy from that movie oh wow they like put him in this game huh they not expect him to be in a video game but like it's really well done and the story is really it's it's like this. It's a really interesting take on like civil right, civil rights movement, and like a people standing up for their rights, and you get to decide how you how they you know perceive move. You. Yeah, how they perceive you. Are you going to be violent? Are you going to be a pacifist? I'm going to tell you this: pacifist route is so so hard to maintain because yeah, I know because you know you're because you you're an android and you're 
people are dying because they get gunned down because they don't care because you're just merchandise to them. And like every fiber in my being was like, Ooh, fight back? Yeah, no, no. I made like a mix because um, uh, the the TV station mission. Yeah, the guy died there. Would I couldn't? Uh, I was like, mm. oh no, I was able to save him. So, so oh, he died. Yeah, he ran like, away and then he got injured. So we left him there with a gun. Yeah, I first. Well, I'm talking I first... about the guy that tried to run away. Yeah. There's this uh, civilian that tries to run away in the TV station to sound the alarm. Oh yeah! Like an option to yeah, either let, alive yeah, or let him. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah, let him run. Yeah, yeah, let him run. yeah. No, you're talking about the guy that goes out on the roof. You mean? Yeah, yeah I took him with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like uh, the guy that tried to run away, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't take Simon with me because he couldn't move his legs, but somehow he survived. I don't know how, <laughs> but somehow he survived. It's like, oh, okay, you're suddenly here. Cool. But that's the cool part around um, the game that when you finish a level, you see all you see all the options and you see chart, yeah. what you did. And sometimes I would see completely branching paths, like whoa, I didn't even know that was possible. I I, I finished it once and I didn't want to go back because it was like you know it's okay. I've I'm at peace with the way it was. But it's really cool. Yeah, to see there's so <laughs> much to do. You can like play a mission. Maybe uh, there's sometimes ten options, and you're like whoa, this is pretty extensive and intense maybe yeah yeah i mean like i tried to go as uh, most passive run as i possibly could in that specific storyline the storyline with uh with the caretaker kara and the and the and the girl alice wow that one mm, should i spoil how that one goes sure why not sure okay spoilers for detroit here as well um yeah so the daughter that she saved was an android. So the little girl is an android, but you don't know that she's an android until three ways and like uh, like past the halfway mark, where you suddenly get hints of hey she's different, and then you're like wait, does that mean that she's also an android? But the thing is, androids always have these LED circles on the on the right side of their temple um, to notify that they're you know an android, and when you're two of your characters become deviants, they take that LED off so that they look completely human. Unless, you know, they peel back their skin. Well, peel... Oh, that sounds really they turn off their they, they turn off their skin because it's like this synthetic skin that looks like skin, but they can turn it off and you can see their actual plastic arms and stuff like that. And, yeah, so you find out that she's an android and that... Um, Kara actually knew that she was an android because early on in her story, she finds a magazine in her owner's uh, bedroom that is a magazine uh, that's advertising little the uh, child little children like exactly that model of uh, of the girl that Alice is. You know what I wonder? Why did the the father get her if he treats her like that? Yeah, so here's the thing because in the because in that early part of the story you find a picture of his family and you see the wife and the child. The child is blonde in that picture, not the brunette. Mm. So I think what happened is because he said that his wife left him. I think his wife left him and took his child with her. Ah, uh, okay. 
and he was probably so upset. Plus, he was all high on what they call red crystals or red dust or whatever. Um, that he probably got the the android daughter named him after his daughter, and because he's so high all the time, he probably at the certain point um, damaged her that the that the LED fell off. So that's why you don't see the LED on her on her, on Alice, because when you start the game, you start as um, Connor, which is the investigator, and then you switch to um, Kara, who was in the store being fixed up because she had a stupid accident with a car, which should not be possible because everything in this world is automated, including cars. So yeah, obviously he. Um, he beat her up so bad that she was broken and he took her in for repairs. And every time he takes her in for repairs, she gets reset. So she loses all memory of it. And that's why she doesn't remember being broken and how she got broken. Yeah. But when she breaks through that protocol, man, that is so like very powerful moment because literally her internal visualization of herself is breaking down these the barrier of the order that she got from uh, her owner called Todd, like say, don't move from this spot. You're literally tearing it down. And when you tear it down, you can do whatever you want. You can confront Todd. You can go upstairs and try and take Alice away. I tried to confront Todd and try to appease him a bit, like try to calm him down, but he's a jerk who's high on. (laughs) So, he went upstairs and he started beating Alice. So I went upstairs, took his gun, tried to shoot him, but I couldn't shoot him because, like I said, the gameplay in this game sucks because it's all QTE and it's all very short QTE. You have to really be paying attention. Like, if you're not paying attention, you're going to fail out and you're going to die. And I almost did. Luckily for me, I had built up enough trust with Alice. She picked up the gun and shot him. And that's how he escaped. I can't remember how mine went because it's been a while since I played it. But it's yeah. the fun just, part about these things is like people have completely different experiences. Exactly. I, that's also the cool thing because when you're done, you can check the flow chart to see what you did. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the world chose like the percentage of that. Yeah. And you can see specifically people in your friends list that have also played the game, how they chose. Most of the people on my friends list that played the game apparently chose a similar route that I did. Because mm. a lot of them was like, oh, like 100%, 100%, 100%. It's like, oh, okay, they kind of fall. They kind of flow the same way. <laughs> so we have a lot, of, a lot of pacifist friends, again, apparently. Yeah, I, no, actually, no. Because I when I checked that part um, of the story... About 70% chose the pacifist route. So at least 30% did not. I think I'm part of the 30%. Ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the special, like, like all the stories are really cool. Between that and like building up the resistance and being the android Connor and like researching the why androids are becoming deviants and him himself finally coming to terms are is he gonna turn deviant or not that was really cool and then you oh man that like the story is so like well crafted like yeah 
I mean, it's, all things considered, it's a nice game. I got it for free with PS Plus, and I mean, same. I, yeah, I, I just I, I wanted to buy it when it was thirty bucks. But I thought like, okay, when it's thirty bucks, I'll buy it. And eventually, I got it for free, and we're like, this is not a bad deal. Yeah, it. We got that when, um, when they announced that PlayStation was not attending E3. That's when they did that stuff. So last year. Yeah, I, I played it last year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I started that when I finished Last of Us, and literally the next day I was done. Wow. Yeah. I took. I was also <laughs> surprised. I was like, "Oh, I'm almost at the end already." Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Damn, I didn't expect that. No, I, yeah. It took me like a. I played it slowly, so like two weeks or something like that. Yeah, I was able to get the androids um, finally to achieve freedom, so that was cool. Um, yeah, it's like it's a really well told story. I just hate the gameplay. I mean, yeah. I've. I've never liked the gameplay in any of David Cage's games, starting from starting from the first game, Fahrenheit. Um, I forget Fahrenheit something or other. And Heavy Rain, Beyond the Soul. Heavy Rain. But I played Heavy Rain a bit, but that one is just unplayable to me at all. <laughs> like at all. I played Beyond Two Souls. I finished Beyond Two Souls. The same issues mostly. The gameplay is less egregious. Because there's actually stuff that you can manipulate. But the story is not as fun. This one, the story is way more compelling because of the choices and seeing the choices that you made and what you could have made. Um, you can already predict like, oh, this line is probably what would have happened if this person, you know, disagreed and it would have branched out in this many like decisions afterwards and stuff like that. But the uh, not having not having a combat system in these games really hurts the experience to me because there were, there were certain moments where i was like you know what i kind of don't want to play this anymore because i'm just failing on the qtes and you can't go back until you finish the game so yeah, yeah. Uh. uh so i mean that's that's basically what i've been playing and it's like yeah, great stories. Kind of wish the gameplay was a bit more compelling. <laughs> I can imagine. So, <laughs> what have you been playing? Well, after that super long stint, I don't think I have been able. I can't fill another thirty minutes. So, um, I have been. I haven't been playing a lot. So, I I, I think I mentioned last time that I started playing Gears Tactics. Mm. Uh, so I started playing that a little bit more. Um, it's not as expensive as an XCOM, for example, but it's really fun. You know, it has, it's pretty, like, it feels good. It has a character customization, RPG mechanics in there. You can recruit different kinds of unit soldiers with different classes, such as a sniper or a support gunner and stuff like that. Um, there's a pretty extensive skill tree in there, so you can uh, upgrade your characters with a lot of skills. Uh, you can Is also there permadeath in this one? Uh, for certain characters, there is. Hmm. Yeah, so like in, in the missions, you generally have an objective saying characters X, Y, and Z cannot die, and then the fourth one can die, if you pick them, at least. Um, so uh, You can also, if a character gets shot, for example, uh, in the next turn, he can try to revive himself, or basically revive himself, and then if he gets shot again, you can still revive him with another character. 
Oh, but cool. uh, the tricky part is, is I'm stuck at a boss right now and I just can't seem to uh, get past it. So because of that, I just stopped playing it. In fact, I'll just come back another time because it's, uh, I just, I forgot how the boss was called, but it's this huge, huge creature, like almost like a T-Rex and it has guns on its arms and it has like a rocket backpack to put it that way. And then he can shoot with his guns. He can trample you you can shoot rockets and then as a to kill him you can destroy both guns but then he shoots the rockets and tramples you uh there is this backpack with rockets in it and also some emulsion so you can try to destroy those cells and then he probably dies but um he constantly keeps shooting rockets and then in the next turn they drop other enemies spawn in as well and my tactic has been to split my team into two groups and then say like one group is on one side of the level, the other is on the other side. So he keeps on turning so you can shoot the stuff on his back or on his arms. But it's really annoying because his trample attack is super strong. So he can just basically kill you in two, in two uh, turns and he can trample, shoot and sometimes shoot, uh, shoot rockets as well, all in one turn. And you're like, ah, you know, so because of that, I'm like, okay, I'm just, I need a break from this. Uh, so I stopped playing that for a while. I started playing Shadow of the Colossus, uh, the remastered version on the PS4. Um, I haven't played the original one on the PS2, so it was all new for me. Um, mm. it's, it's really nice because it's, it's, it has a really nice atmosphere. Um, the, the game looks amazing for a remaster. It's pretty simple to play. Like The controls aren't too difficult. I killed my first Colossus. Um, it's strange that you have a horse that you can use to traverse around, but you have to press triangle, I believe, to get the horse to run. If you push the analog stick forward, it doesn't do anything. There's really strange <laughs> controls in that part. Um, I calibrated my TV a while back, so like my colors are far better, but because of the calibration, I lose a bit of brightness. So during the day, I can't really play the game because there are dark areas and I just can't see what's happening. So I need to wait till the sun sets so I can play the game. I had the same issue with Uncharted 2. So, yeah, I kind of had like first, first world struggles there. <laughs> but yeah, basically that. Uh, I finished Uncharted 1. I started playing 2. But as I just mentioned, because of the calibration thingy, I'm in the beginning of the, I'm in the Istanbul museum part, but it's in the night, the map. So it's really difficult to see. So I really have to play it every time when the sun sets. And I'm just like, yeah, when it, has to be done like that um i'm not waiting for that so i thought like okay i'll play that another time um it was fun to go back to uncharted one because uncharted one hasn't aged well i mean the controls are still a bit strange the puzzles are sometimes a little bit annoying that you jump too far and then you die i had instances in which the checkpoints from at least it felt like it should have saved and it didn't save so i had to restart a complete area um you can really notice a difference because Uncharted 2 got a Game of the Year award and Uncharted 1 did not. That like the leap from 1 to 2, what they did in 2 is, is amazing. You can really notice a difference in, in everything, in character design, in graphics, in gameplay, in quality. In Uncharted 1 is really like a lot of shooting, sometimes a bit of puzzling. And then in Uncharted 2, they have this amazing mix of, uh, of how they do that. And Nate feels a bit stiff in Uncharted 1, whereas in 2, he's a lot more relaxed and he, he's a lot more real. There's this part on top of a rooftop in Nepal that you're with one of the characters and then there's this pool and then 
uh, if you jump into the pool, you have to do that to get a trophy. You jump into the pool, and then he says, oh, oh, oh. Uh, I don't know the game, but apparently it's Marco Polo. And they say, like, he says, oh, oh, uh, yeah, Marco. Marco Polo. And then yeah. she has to shout Polo. And she says, really? He's like, come on, come on, Marco. And then she says, Polo. And I was like, oh, why are you saying it like that? You know, so there's a little bit more <laughs> realness to the characters, um, which I really like. And it's also a lot more of these epic set pieces. So it, it, the first part is that you start wounded in a train and the train is hanging off of a cliff. And then just getting out of the train is like this super cool roller coaster ride because at any moment you can slip or one of the, the things you grab on breaks and pivots you into another area of the map. So they, they really went to the roller coaster ride experience with the second. Yeah, the set pieces, yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. <clears throat> um, I started playing Control on the PC because I got it with my graphics card last year. I totally forgot about that. Um, I... I I'm a bit mixed on control because um, it's just like how to sh- I played Death Stranding and that was a weird game. <laughs> but this is just so weird because it throws you into the game without any explanation. So you walk into the Bureau, the Federal Bureau of Control, as it is called, which is basically a, a, an FBI counterpart, but then focus on paranormal stuff uh, with uh, other dimension travels and stuff like that. But you basically walk in there, you hear a voice in your head or, or the characters talking to a voice in, the, in their head. But there's no explanation as why you're there or what's going on or there's no kind of like intro into the game. You just It almost feels like you walk into the movie theater and you just walk into a movie halfway through and you just sit there and you watch the movie and you have no idea what's happening. Um, so it's a bit getting used to that. But besides that, it's pretty cool because they have a lot of... Um, uh, cool stuff going around that, for example, you have a gun that uh, doesn't have ammo, so it recharges out of itself. Uh, the gun also has like all sorts of ex- uh, expandability. You can uh, get skills for your characters, but you can also uh, equip mods for your character. Um, and your character has this option to, for example, um, melee. So it, it does this kind of like an air burst, and then there's some destructible environments in there. So I didn't know that. So when I did it, you just saw parts of the wall breaking and you saw chairs and, and tables cracking. It was really cool to see. And the further you get, the more abilities you have. So I have this ability in which I can make stuff float and then shoot it kind of like a Jedi force power. And I can also dash really quickly. Um, it's still a bit strange because basically what's happened is, is you walk into the FPC and then you see that it's deserted and you try to figure out what's going on. And there's this, thing called the hiss as they call it and they they have taken over everybody so those those are basically the enemies you have to fight uh but they're this paranormal strange activity you have people floating around for example who are kind of chanting which makes it a bit creepy for example um (laughs) yeah the cool part is is um this is one of the games that uses dlss which is part of rtx uh rtx is nvidia's ray tracing and dlss is a is a technology what they basically do is, is they use cloud computing and, and machine learning to uh, scan the game and then render it, and then you get a boost to your frame rate. So what happens is, is the game is rendered, it, it, it's rendered at 4K, you see a 4K image, but it's actually 2560 by 1440 what it, what it does, but it boosts the frame rate a lot. So for example, when I turned it off, I had 
30 to 40 frames on ultra. And when I turned it on, I had a solid 60 frames. So there's a pretty big difference in there. So it's really cool to see. And recently they introduced DLSS 2.0. Control has that as well, which also, because in the first version of DLSS, you would get that details would either be washed out or details would look um, a little bit more blurry or lower res. And they fixed that with DLSS 2.0. So it's a lot more better, a lot more better. Wow, that's not, <laughs> that's just bad. So it's a lot better uh, and, and it really shines. So it's, I, I, had, I know that Battlefield, for example, had DLSS, but it didn't really, I didn't really notice it. So here I really turned it on and off and I saw a big difference. So that's really cool to see. And NVIDIA hopefully wants other developers to incorporate DLSS as well in ray tracing. So for example, Minecraft got the ray tracing update that also supports DLSS 2.0. So I never thought it would boost the frame rate by such a big margin. So that's pretty cool to see that it does that. Uh, and it, in the end, it just adds to the experience and the game looks beautiful. It's not like the game's looking any uglier uh, uh, because of it or, or because you're using the LSS. So that's really nice. Um, besides that, I started playing Shogun. How's the gameplay, by the way? Like in control? It feels a lot like uh, Max Payne, which I like. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the sound design is also nice. The way the gun sounds is really cool. Um, yeah, it felt like I was I just I was playing Max Payne and I love Max Payne. So because it's also by the same developer, Remedy, um, the gunplay and 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 the, and the sound design is really cool. Uh, the funny thing is is that um, the the voice actor for Max Payne is uh, is a character in this game and he's also uses likeliness. So uh, it's cool to see that they're like, hey, that's Max Payne. <laughs> 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 that was a really fun surprise. I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. Um, I played that and besides, I played another, yeah, I started playing Shogun 2 again. I don't know why, because I was, uh, still having that issue with, uh, Three Kingdoms with the saves and, uh, I've taken a bit more of a conservative approach because normally with, uh, Total War, I'm the guy that all out is, I'm always about all out war because the game's called Total War for a reason. At least that's what I think. So normally I'm just the guy that just attacks everybody. You're like, ah! And now I've taken a bit more of a conservative approach. I'm a lot more focusing on diplomacy, trade agreements, non-aggression pacts, slowly building my army, um, making sure I have food stockpiled and, and, and enough income. So I've taken a bit of a slower approach, which is strange for me because I'm not used to that. Um, but it adds a certain dimension to the game for me as well. So because maybe I was in the Ghost of Tsushima mode, mood, I went back to play Shogun uh, again. Right, cool, and cool. that's basically it. I want to start. I want to start on The Last of Us again, but I want to do that closer to launch so that when I finish The Last of Us, I can jump in The Last of Us Two either directly or shortly after. So it's kind of like fresh in my mind. And I still need to finish all the Uncharted. I just still want to do that because, uh, you know, Uncharted's really cool and fun. And I'm thinking about maybe either playing uh, God. I was thinking about playing God of War again. I bought it, I gave it to a friend. So I still have to pick it up from there. I also gave Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I lended that to another friend. So I have to get that back as well. Um, so maybe I'll just play Spider-Man again or something like that. It's been a while since I played it. So Okay. But that's basically it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think we're going to leave it at that because um, it's been a pretty long episode. And we're yeah. kind of pausing the we're kind of pausing the hidden gems. Hidden gems. We're re-evaluating re it also because um, 
I mean, I, I love the hidden gem, but sometimes for us, it's a bit forced. So like uh, we have to come up with a hidden gem and sometimes we make a list and then we go, we, we tick off the list and then we have a hidden gem every episode. But like the last few episodes, I don't know about you, but like I had to crack my brain like, oh, I don't know what a hidden gem, I don't have a hidden gem. And then I went to my Steam library and I went to my Origin library. I went to my, my PlayStation library and eventually like, yeah, okay, but maybe we should rethink the idea of a hidden gem. So we're kind of thinking about, okay, a hidden gem, if we really have a title, we're like, oh, I know this game, oh, this is so amazing and it feels natural, then we might bring hidden gem back again and kind of do like a, a once in a while segment. Uh, we're thinking yeah. of a new segment to use uh, as a filler for hidden gem, but maybe people like the format that we have that we just take a little bit more time to discuss the news and what we've been playing. Um, so definitely give yeah, it. Basically right now what I did was like a ex extended kind of like review of my experience with Detroit and Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, but like, if people like that, we can we can definitely yeah. do that. So I think if, if people want us to continue kind of on that path, let us know. Just just give us the feedback. Even if you don't like it, let us know as well, because um, you know it, it's it's it can only get the show make, make the show better. Um, if people have ideas or if they if they want to touch on, I know like a lot of people said that uh, I think the negative did was really cool that he asked us questions, kind of asked our opinion on stuff. Uh, people responded well to that. They like that. So we can maybe do something like that if people want it. Uh, just let us know whatever you want. Uh, so whatever you want, what you would think would be nice to do. <laughs> there are limits to what we can do. Yeah, there are limits. <laughs> like, uh, I can't make a rabbit. I can't pull a rabbit out of a hat or something like that. Um, but yeah, basically let us know. Provide us with feedback. If you have any ideas or suggestions, there is a welcome. Um, I'll quickly tie it over to our outro as we call it so thank you again for listening as always you can reach us on a shitload of uh, social media platforms such as anchor spotify apple podcast uh overcast you name it we're probably there you can leave us a voice message through either the anchor app or a link in our description um you can just click on it leave a voice message you don't have to make an account um you can email us gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com you can Email, uh, you can tweet us at game underscore rivals underscore. You can tweet Maximilian at Maximilian. Um, we have an Instagram at Game Rivals, probably link in the description. We have a YouTube channel, also link in the description because apparently there are a lot of Game Rivals on YouTube. And we thought we were the only ones and the original ones. Um, and did I forget anything? Uh, no, I think you did it. Yeah, that, that's it. Alrighty. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting period of time. I, I'm assuming not just for us, but for everyone. <laughs> so remember, stay safe. Don't forget to wash your hands. Social distancing, very important, especially now that uh, countries are starting to... Uh, I heard another one the other day, physical distancing. I'm like, wow. Yeah, physical distancing. That's actually I mean, more appropriate than social distancing. Yeah, physical distancing. Stay at, stay at least two meters away from each other. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. That's it. Um, that's it. Yeah, my name is Sean Templer, as always, and... I am Maximilian X, and we'll, and we'll see you guys time. next time. <laughs> <laughs> Later, guys.